Hey, good news! We've added the Tech on Tap podcast to Google Play, so if you want to listen there, look us up. This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we deliver the goods on Azure NetApp Files. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipor. Zipor. I love NetApp because it's so fun. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the studio with me on the phone today. Uh, a couple of Azure NetApp Files folks. Um, Will Stowe, as w- or is it Stow? Will. It, it's Stowe. Oh, got, the, got it right the first time. So, Will, um, yeah. what do you do here at NetApp and how do I reach you? Ah, thanks, Justin. Uh, Will Stowe, uh, email wstowe at netapp.com. I am one of the cloud architects on the Azure NetApp Files team. All right. And Lee Giles is here as well. Or is it Jilly's? <laughs> no, it's Giles. <laughs> I knew it was Giles. That's felt like saying Jilly's. Uh, so, Lee, what do you do here? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. So, I manage our America's go-to-market in sales efforts for Azure Nav Files, our newest storage service offering. So, um, if you haven't guessed, today's podcast is all about Azure NetApp Files. Um, and if you're not familiar with what that is, we're going to solve that today. <laughs> um, so, we're, we brought Will and we brought Lee in to talk about that. So, um, Azure NetApp Files, uh, Lee, what is it? It's funny, I, I actually said something incorrectly a moment ago that I want to kick myself. It's a reminder I give to almost everybody. You know, Azure NetApp Files is probably one of the newest first-party services directly delivered from Azure to address enterprise storage. Uh, one of the biggest unique things that I always like most said a moment ago to, to try to remind everyone is this is not a NetApp service. It is absolutely an Azure native service. And so they refer to it as a first party, meaning it is delivered completely from Azure. It is a, a service that is created through a resource provider, created as a resource in Azure, um, customers engage with the portal or CLI or other methods to create it. It is powered, supported, everything through the Azure portal. Uh, and, and underneath it, uh, living on NetApp bare metal infrastructure inside the Azure data center. So a very, very unique infrastructure positioning for the service. Um, but again, to address a more basic traditional enterprise application requirements in Azure for storage. So would you say that Azure NetApp files could be considered cloud-native? Hundred percent. Yeah, this is as close as you're going to get to the cloud. I was told we don't that NetApp doesn't do cloud native. <laughs> yeah, ironically, and I don't mean this in a bad way. It's probably oh, I do one of the only <laughs> cloud native NetApp actually has. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the fact that you engage with it directly from the Azure portal, not from anything at NetApp. There's no service at NetApp. There's no portal at NetApp. It is directly to the Azure first party engagement, as I said, through the portal, CLIs, automation, or whatever other means you want to use it. So what sort of um, offerings does Azure NetApp Files give you? Is it strictly SMB or is it NFS or is it block? What is it? Uh, it's both of the first two. So it's a file-based protocol. So today it's NFS 3, NFS 4.1, as well as SMB 3.0. Uh, we do not have a block or any other protocols today. Maybe something in the future. Um, but keep in mind that NAS and NFS and SMB are massive, massive opportunities for us. Something we know well. And a huge gap in Azure as well, so we fit that bill really nicely. I find it interesting that Microsoft, of all companies, would choose NetApp's SMB stack as the provider for their cloud offering. 
Um, so why, why do you think that is? Why do you think that we are the chosen ones? Yeah. Well, probably a little bit of history would be good here. They didn't choose SMB first. They chose NFS. That was the big gap in Azure. I think it was a realization that native NFS with all the Linux workloads and Linux VMs coming into Azure for the last year, um, overcoming, frankly, the number of VMs in Azure that Windows has, ironically, there was a real need and a real desire for native NFS mount points on a Linux VM, not something they've ever had before. You had to create NFS through the host or through a third-party marketplace offering, which is just not how people do it on-prem. So that familiarity with creating an NFS mount point in Azure, like they do on-prem, so you create that, you mount it across a VNet onto a VM, sounds really familiar. And so we filled a major gap on the NFS side. And what I'd like to think is, you know, we had the design principle to add SMB all along, even though they have SMB and some other other services. Look, the fact is we're powered by an all-flash array or a cluster of them, very unlike any other storage service in the market or any other cloud provider. It's not how Microsoft does it internally. Um, we get a lot of the rich data management features. You get the performance, availability, familiarity, ease, and, of course, the brand recognition that comes along with it. So the fact that we have both of those multi-protocols just rounds out what originally was just going to be NFS. But I think what a lot of customers are seeing is that there's a category, smaller Windows workloads, maybe Windows or Azure File works really well for them. But as they start to tip the scale into larger workloads with more performance and more data management features, that's where Azure Now Files with SMB fits the bill a lot better. So you mentioned, uh, and, you, and I don't know if this was on purpose or accidental, but you, you said the word multi-protocol. Um, and multi-protocol generally means multiple protocols on a storage system. But in this case, we're talking about multi-protocol NAS, where you can get NFS and SMB. But in this case, can we can we use Azure NetApp files to access the same data from either protocol in ONTAP? Not just yet. It certainly is something we will plan in the future, having mixed protocols in the same volume. Today, it's separate volumes, but you know, keep... Uh, Keep your eye out here and over the next course of time. It's certainly on our intended roadmap. Excellent. Because, I mean, that's kind of a sweet spot for what NetApp ONTAP does is multi-protocol access to files. So that'll, that'll, I think that'll be a game changer for Azure NetApp files. I agree. So, uh, Will, you do the cloud architecture. So what sort of things does Azure NetApp files offer that customers are most interested in? And what are you finding customers want you to do with it the most? I think the... Most common ask I have from customers that we've been talking to since we were in the preview days, uh, even to now in general availability, uh, is the fact that the service can do things that they could not do prior to the advent of the service. Meaning uh, most customers were building virtual machines inside of Azure uh, and they were limited by uh, what those machines can do in terms of how large they can grow, how fast they can grow, uh, most customers tend to build out uh, very large and complex, and talking about NFS here, very large and complex open source clusters running on your you know, favorite flavor of Linux, uh, having to manage all that in terms of clustering, redundancy, backup, snapshots, all those kind of things, OS patches, all that stuff. And what we've heard from customers is that the fact that they can use Azure NetApp files to retire or get away from those architectures that are incredibly complex and limiting and use Azure NetApp files to run their applications has been one of the biggest uh, proponents of the service that people just absolutely love. And we've seen everything from, you know, your oil and gas companies running you know, large analytical workloads to financial services uh, down to smaller mom and pop shops that 
just don't want to manage, you know, Windows file servers or, or Linux file servers anymore. So as far as the offering for SMB goes, I mean, generally speaking, you have to have an Active Directory involved. Um, yeah. How does that work with Azure NetApp Files? Is it cloud resident or is it, can it be tied to the on-prem instance of Active Directory or can it be trusted across the cloud to the Active Directory instance? Yeah, so it's so the model we're using today. So there's uh, Microsoft has a few different terms for this, right? You have Active Directory, Active Directory Domain Services, your traditional uh, Windows Server-based role you add to uh, as a domain controller. Most enterprise shops have a, a, a slew of those things laying around. It's 20 plus year old technology. Customers that have Active Directory today on-prem or deployed in a hybrid model inside of Azure uh, across both. Bring them, use them, they'll work great with the service today. Uh, for customers who want to use SMB but do not have Active Directory deployed in a traditional model, they can use Azure Active Directory Domain Services, which is a basically a managed Active Directory instance. Instead of you having to build your own Windows servers and all that stuff, you just simply fire that up as a service. Microsoft manages the Windows domain controllers for you, and you just work with the, the end user tools, and you can tie that also to Azure NetApp Files. So those are the two models we support today for SMB, and we're finding there's a lot of traction on both. We see customers that, again, depending on where they are and how, you know, how, how old the company is, they may have never even deployed a Windows server ever. So they would use that, that managed model through Azure, which works great. For the larger enterprise customers that have been managing after it for a long time, we'll take that as well. So this ties into the multi-protocol thing as well. But you know, if you're doing NFS v4.1 or NFS v3 and you want to use Active Directory as a name service, for instance, like you want to have an LDAP instance where Unix names and groups are included, can you do that today with Azure NetApp Files? And can you also leverage Active Directory as a KDC for Kerberized NFS? Ah, great, great question. So not quite yet. Uh, right now, NFS access is basically done version three at root access and also with 4.1. Uh, we're we're going to be phasing in as we go with 4.1 support access for uh, today, which is root only. Uh, we'll be adding in support for local users and groups in the near future. And then shortly after that, we'll be adding in support for KDC for LDAP access with maybe with a Active Directory domain controller. Pretty common to see that in those environments. We'll be supporting that in the in the near future as well. But today, NFS access is based, based around root access specifically. Okay. And what about encryption at rest? Are you supporting the NetApp volume encryption with Azure NetApp files or does that not exist there yet either? Uh, we absolutely do. That's uh, uh, it's one of those things that we were, you know, really uh, steadfast on day one is to provide uh, volume encryption at rest. We're using NVE NetApp volume encryption for that service uh, to, to power that for us. So each volume gets its own unique key. Uh, we're working on other things as we go down the road in terms of encryption at, uh, in flight for SMB and NFS. Those are a little further down the road. But as of today, all the data stored in the service is fully encrypted at rest. Yeah, and I mean, in-flight encryption is going to come with NFS Kerberos 5P when you when you get that. And then for SMB, you'll get the SMB3 encryption. So I would imagine that just ties in whenever you enable that. Um, so as far as other ONTAP features, what else do we offer with Azure NetApp Files? And, and maybe what, what things that are, are people asking for that aren't quite there yet? 
So we, we certainly have snapshots built in today. So that gives you the option with your uh, your NFS clients to be able to lean on uh, your dot, dot snapshot folder to be able to pull back files and folders from there through the client, which is great. Same thing for Windows-based services. You have snapshots that can uh, be called with the Windows previous version options. You, again, a client can go through, grab an individual file, group of file, folders, what have you, and then drag and drop those right back into their active file system. Uh, we do support restoring uh, a uh, snapshot to a new volume. So if you want to use this for creating copies of your data sets uh, for a variety of use cases for development tests, those kind of things, that's available today as well. Uh, some of the things that are just around the corner are things like replication, storage-based replication from one region to another, and also cloud-based backup. Those are uh, coming uh, in the next uh, next few months here as well. Uh, what we see customers are asking for, replication is a big one. That's why it's super high on our radar. Backup's a big one. Uh, Flutz clones is something we plan on supporting here in the near future as well, to be able to, to take a uh, snapshot of a volume and create a thin copy of that uh, just for uh, just for consistency, are the, the, the snapshots you would create a new uh, volume of today, those are a full-size volume. So you get the advantage in terms of speed in those cases. You can take and grab that large data set, create a copy of that, have it there and available for a variety of use cases. We're looking to augment that and add more feature with a FlexClone type of functionality to the product as well. What about Flex Group volumes? Got those yet? Not yet. We want those. Uh, that's, a, that's a big ask, too. Uh, but there's a lot of work that goes into making that one uh, part of the, the service. We're, we're dying to get that one in there, but it's not there quite yet today. Unfortunately. Okay. Sounds like we've got quite a bit in there already, though. So, I mean, we've got a good functional working set and more to come, which is going to just, I think, make people more excited overall. Absolutely. So, as far as the Azure NetApp Files offering, um, what what kind of how does the licensing work? How do we pay for it? What's the cost structure look like? And you know how do we get licenses? This is actually probably one of the sexier parts of working with Azure and how customers consume Azure services. The fact that this is a first party Azure service makes things really simple. There is no PO. There's no delivery. There's no shipping. There's no installing. Uh, when customers have a enterprise agreement with Azure or with Microsoft, they typically also have a commercial agreement to purchase Azure. They may have a pre purchase. It's called a monetary commit or commit to buy, or they may have some other commercial agreement, whether it's a invoicing or credit card, it doesn't really matter to us. The fact is through an Azure subscription, which any of us could get, you simply go and create resources. And as you consume them, Azure simply charges the customer by capacity by the hour. You can spin it up and spin it down. The minimum again is by the hour for any of the three performance levels. And as you create these shares and mount them, as you're using them like you would any other previous asset, you just simply get charged for them. You can have the flexibility of starting and stopping whenever you want to. And it just bills against your monthly Azure bill directly from Azure to the customer. So for us, it's completely seamless. So if I'm using Azure NetApp files, does it make any sense to use something like Fabric Pool to tier to a lower cost storage object store? Or is that something that isn't even supported yet? Uh, well, it's, I would say yes to both. I mean, yeah, I think long term, we certainly have a desire to tier to another a performance tier, if you will, or tier into a blob type of object store. And um, we know that that infrequently accessed files, we'd like to move that off an expensive asset. Um, so we do certainly want and see the need for that. We don't hear a lot of it today uh, in terms of the service, but long-term, absolutely something we'd like to address in some way. 
Yeah, I mean, I could see it being useful for someone who is completely cloud resident with their Azure NetApp files as opposed to having a mixture of on-prem and cloud because, I mean, they want to cut costs as much as they can. But um, I, I would guess the egress charges might interfere with that as well. Yeah, I mean, there's always the egress charges always out there. I think people tend to think egress charges are really expensive. They're actually fairly low, and it's always a bit of a, you know, uh, not as much as people might think, but yes, it's out there. I think with ANF, there's a couple of different thoughts being tossed around, whether it's a, a fourth tier, meaning there's a standard, a premium, and an ultra performance tier. Maybe there's an archive tier, so it's in the same asset, or maybe you physically move it into a blob store of your choice using fabric pools or something like that. So there's some other kind of concepts or thoughts being tossed around in the future. So you mentioned you get it through the the marketplace. Um, is there anywhere I can find more information about Azure Net of Files? Do we have a landing page or collateral out there? Yeah, yeah, and I will actually make one quick one. So this is a distinction I think is important. In the Azure speak, there are two places that you consume resources. There is the Azure portal, the Azure native services. When I say portal, I mean literally azure.com. The portal may not be something people use a lot for their native services. They may use APIs or CLI or some of the ways to access their native resources. Those are first-party native type of resources. That's where Azure Net Files is. The other distinction, just to be clear, is the marketplace. The marketplace is a big grocery store in the sky. We have products like Cloud Volumes on tap or a lot of different. There's 30,000 partners that have their own licensed product in the marketplace. Those are very different. Those are what's called third-party products, equally valuable, equally usable, but not native. And that's, I think, the big distinction here is while we do have an on-prem environment, we have a hybrid environment with cloud volumes on tap. That's what I consider the marketplace. You still have to buy the license from NetApp and then apply that to Azure resources. And then the third step being Azure native with Azure Net files, there are no licenses. There's no on tap to buy. There's no marketplace. Marketplace products also aren't charged through the EA. Customers typically have to buy those through an invoice. That's the beauty and how seamless ANF is, not marketplace directly through the Azure native part of it. Um, so from another resource-wise, I would always welcome people to go directly to azure.com, look up the portal itself, or look up access to the service. We can talk about how we do that in a moment. Or across all of the different azure.com sites, Azure Net Files is a GA product. So you can find all of your collateral, all your use cases, all your diagrams, documentation, everything directly off the azure.com site. So you mentioned it's GA. How long has that been GA? Yeah, Azure announced it on May 28th after a year and a half of a ton of work between companies getting everything going. So we're very, very proud of the last three months it's been publicly available around the world. And when people think GA, they think ONTAP version. So how does the ONTAP versioning work with Azure Net of Files? I know that's probably something you want to keep as invisible to the end user as possible, but are we always running the latest ONTAP version or, you know, and how do the upgrades work? Generally speaking, we're running as late as we can. Uh, the way the upgrades work is just seamless from the customer's perspective, right? There's uh, rolling upgrades or service uh, like like most other cloud offerings. There's things kind of going on behind the scenes all the time. Um, ANF is no different from that. How we do our releases are, are really based around features. Uh, so things like uh, right now we're in uh, release five. So with release five, we brought NFS 4.1 uh, with root access. And then the next release will be bringing on additional features as well. So we're not tying them to on top numbers. Your major minor patch level kind of iteration. It's more of just us uh, internally uh, pushing that out in terms of these features or these bug fixes have been added to the product and we're pushing it out in a cadence like that. 
So the ONTAP version is essentially its own thing, right? It's like it's not like the thing you would install on a FAS or AFS system. It's 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 a cloud native or cloud specific versioning. You got it. I, I am going to go into the Azure portal. I want to uh, fire up a 50 terabyte NFS uh, export for my application. I can go into ANF and create my account, create my capacity pool, create my volume. In less than two minutes, I'm up and running with my capacity and running my application. It's as simple as that. As far as um, the use cases go, what are people using Azure NetApp files for today? And what sort of use cases can you see beyond that for Azure NetApp files? Yeah, so um, I think we're seeing a, a lot of uptake in um, high-performance applications, uh, you know, uh, structured data sets, Oracle, SAP, uh, workloads like that that require lots of throughput, low latency, and, and additional features, especially for enterprise customers that are making the jump from on-prem uh, today into the cloud where there's uh, arguably been a gap for some time in terms of uh, uh, performance is one thing, features and manageability is a whole different ballgame, right? So as customers looking for those kind of things to be able to take a snapshot of a very large database, uh, those are things that we're adding and, and and going after those customers today to offer that kind of a value prop. The other side is for customers that need file shares for everything from uh, their, their home directories or application folders for maybe a VDI implementation or for their uh, their Q drive for accounting purposes, things like that, uh, to uh, shared binaries across, say, open source uh, EDA uh, development. So everything in between, that's the beauty of, of, of NAS here is that there are hundreds, if not thousands of use cases you can throw at this thing and we're pretty much align with what it can offer today in terms of a feature and value. So uh, it's, it's pretty exciting stuff. Do we offer the storage efficiencies like, you know, deduplication or compaction or compression today, or is that something that's coming in a future release? Not part of the service today, uh, where it's uh, where that falls on the roadmap. Uh, hard to tell at this point, but right now, uh, the features we're offering are really kind of based around what the service can provide. So it would be the, 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 the you know, SMB access, NFS access, um, access to snapshots, access to uh, fast clones, those kind of things. The storage efficiencies are sort of baked into the service itself on the back end to provide that at a, at a solid value to the customer. So as far as customers go, do we have any success stories that are public? Um, you know, are we able to talk about some people that are using it today and happy with it? Yeah, I think the one that's the most public is Repsol. And especially in the oil and gas or large energy field, they've done a public release with us. Uh, I think we just published something recently to Azure.com. I can find that link. Um, but, you know, I think what they, they describe is synonymous with what we're hearing a lot. So Repsol being large in oil and gas, using the service for traditional apps like Petrel or Schlumberger, Halliburton, things that are in that, that geophysical stuff. So very, very specific to oil and gas. But, you know, lots and lots of other people or other companies in that same vertical, some of those, those letters and, and names you could probably recognize, um, that tends to be right now a very, very popular space. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we don't have lots and lots of other customers cross vertical and financial and healthcare, um, lots and lots of different things that are using more traditional apps, as Will mentioned earlier, SAP, Oracle, SQL, HPC, eDiscovery, VDI. Windows Virtual Desktop is almost consuming all of our emails these days around, can I use ANF for my Windows Virtual Desktop? That's incredibly popular application today. So lots and lots of use case examples and success stories. Not many on the public just yet, but we're working hard on getting more of those published. So, Lee, if I want to get access to this, how would I do that? So today, while it's GA, as of May 28th, as I said earlier, 
Um, sometimes people will see that as confusing. Then why can't I go to the portal and get access? Well, you kind of can. You can see it there. It's public. It's published there. But you can't physically create exports because they consider it a gated service. That's a temporary situation. Remember that this is physical hardware with a finite resource behind it. Now, that finite resource is very, very large per region. But we want to make sure as we develop the product that we're balancing it right. We're growing it correctly. We know what the kind of customer's use cases and the capacities and the plans it will become ungated here in the next couple of months, but we're still in a gated situation. It's not hard though. If you would like access, just send me an email or will my email lee.giles at netapp.com or any of our team members. Send me your Azure subscription ID and we'll whitelist that ID. Once that whitelist takes a day or so, uh, or a few minutes really, just through the backlog, we have to get through that. So about a day or so, you go into it, you simply find it, you register with the resource provider and you have access to it via the portal. So as I said today, in that gated system, it's a little bit of a friction, but not too much. And very soon in the future, you'll just be able to go to the portal and just create shares and go and won't even know you exist. And is this for if I want to use it for production or if I just want to try it out? It's full production. You're ready to go. Absolutely. So what if I just want to try it out? I want to kick the tires a little bit. Well, that's one thing about Azure. If you've got a Azure monetary commit or enterprise agreement, you go into it, you can create shares, whether it's production or test dev sandbox. There's no trial concept unless you have credits or some sort of monetary relationship with Microsoft that gives you free access. But one thing differently about the cloud is everybody pays. So when you go to it, you've got to create shares. Not terribly expensive, though. When you think about the hourly type of billing, you could theoretically, if you want, in just a small test environment, create a standard performance tier, create a four terabyte minimum, mount that for a few hours or a couple of weeks, and you'd only pay a few hundred bucks for that. Okay. It gets expensive if you forget it's there. I've done that. <laughs> forgot I left it on. Um, so as far as the performance goes, how does that look? Is it pretty standard performance as compared to an on-prem system? Or I mean, I know we're sharing resources with everyone else. How do you? How does that look in the ANF space? So we have uh, some numbers published around that on cloud.netup.com, kind of a teaser there. Feel free to go out there and look at Azure NetUp files uh, on, on our site. Uh, I'll tell you, in terms of the performance, we're looking at the numbers that you can get uh, out of a system on-prem and all flash fast. You're looking at similar numbers with this. So in terms of uh, reads, uh, four and a half gigabytes uh, a second for reads and around 1,800 megabytes a second for writes. So incredibly high performance storage that uh, you can fire up in a few seconds through, um, through the portal. Let me add a little color to that as well. We get this question quite a bit from customers around, well, it's in the cloud, so I probably expect this is going to be a little slower. No, actually, no, not at all. When you think about the architecture being full, all-flash, bare-metal infrastructure inside the Azure Data Center, in a theoretical, not even a theoretical, in a realistic world, on-prem, customers create VMs, they connect those to a network, and they connect it to a on-prem, all-flash storage array export. That's exactly the same architecture that's been built in Azure. And I want to reiterate how important and unique that is. There is no other storage service in the cloud today across any hyperscaler that's built like this. This is effectively the same way people do it on-prem, which speaks to the familiarity and the ease and then the underlying performance they get from it. You're effectively doing the same thing you would be on-prem. So any application that a customer might want to bring to Azure that requires enterprise storage, this is a wonderful landing place for them and expect the same results as they would potentially get on-prem since it's the same stuff. That's really the part of the biggest compelling event or compelling of, uh, piece of Azure Net Files is familiarity and built on the same infrastructures you could buy from us today. 
if you wanted to. Yeah, and I would imagine that the portal itself is designed in a way that allows end users who haven't maybe used ONZAP before to consume it much easier than they might if they had their own on-prem system. Oh, sure. Yeah, again, I think the the masking of ONTAP is a very PaaS-like. It's a very obvious thing. We're making storage very simple and very sexy again. For me to go to the portal right now, create an Azure NetApp Files account, a capacity pool, a volume, and mount it, I don't need any knowledge of storage or any knowledge of any operating system. I need a few fundamental click-throughs on an app on a uh, Azure portal, or if I have a CLI command, you just simply create it. We're, we're less worried about how you get there and more about the outcome and giving you all the greatness of the outcome without all the tax of doing it. And for those customers that are weary or tired of or have a, an edict to move to the cloud, they can guarantee that same performance without all of the additional weight and, and, and tax of, of owning and managing IaaS. So as far as this moving to the cloud thing, I mean, what are some of the reasons, like give me the top three reasons why people are thinking about the move to the cloud? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I think people might say cost is the number one, and I would I would debate that. Enterprise infrastructure is expensive anywhere you go. If you expect to run in the same outcome, your critical applications in the cloud like you did on-prem, you shouldn't expect it's going to cost 10% of that. It's expensive. Your operations are expensive. And so what typically we see is, is modernization. A lot of customers are are, are over the IaaS of putting hands on architecture and configuring and patching. That's all gone. You can create a VM, put it on a VNet, and get incredible outcome of performance storage to across the stack, just like you would on-prem with that again, without having to know all of it. So I think modernization is a big one, but hand-in-hand hand is also efficiency and speed. How fast can I respond? If I need to have an application up and running in the next two hours, and I have a million dollars worth of infrastructure that's going to be required to do it, I cannot do that on-prem. Maybe it's gear I have already. That would be a, a great situation. But if it's not, that process of going through and buying architecture and shipping, installing it, configuring it, amortizing it, that's a very, very laborious process. And so cost sometimes comes a little bit higher because your fast time to market and your speed and efficiencies. Um, and I think if, uh, there is a cost associated that's slightly less than the, the operations, but you know, the physical handling of gear, you no longer need that. I think that one of the product managers at Microsoft eloquently said it many years ago, I can't remember exactly how he said it, but something like the, the amount of power you have at your fingertips in a portal is greater than anything you could ever afford to buy on-prem. And you can spin it up for an hour and throw it away. You just simply don't have that kind of elasticity and that kind of flexibility with any piece of hardware. And that, I think, is one of the biggest benefits of Azure or the cloud in general. We're just simply one of the many, many resources within the cloud. So while Azure Net Files is very cool into itself and solves a lot of great problems, very appealing, it's one of the many building blocks of Azure that people can take advantage of and do it in a very flexible, fast way. I think the cost thing is actually a real a reality, right? I mean, because you kind of touched on it here with you're dealing with CapEx and OpEx. So your, your OpEx is you know how much it costs for people to operate the gear. And that goes along with setting it up, which takes sometimes hours to, to get on the floor and, you know, testing and all that good stuff, to upgrading, to ch changing out hardware, to, you know, getting new hardware. So that all goes away when you have the cloud because that's being done for you, more or less, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, I think it's a good point because I think it's in totality. I think it's very easy 
especially in the storage world, to compare a commoditized cost per gig, right? I can get it for 10 cents a gig on-prem, but you're charging me 30 in the cloud. Yeah, I get that comparison. That could be hard. But as you start to wrap around, as you said, all of the other costs of management, the physical location of it, the management of it, the amortization of it, the, the upgrading it, the updating it, all the things you got to do, the care and feeding. To me, I've always compared this to owning a car versus Uber. Frankly, I don't ever want to own a car again. Yeah, I get it. I have two cars in the garage. I don't want a garage. I don't want to pay for insurance. I don't want to pay for gas. And over the course of time, maybe Uber could cost a little bit more money. But I could turn off Uber tomorrow, but I still have a car in my garage. And so when you reach that point and you realize the flexibility and the freedom you have from a, from a, a model like the cloud, you realize how fast you can respond to things and be quicker about it and be less worried about the underlying brand or the label on the box and worry more about the outcome of what you're trying to get. That's, I think, one of the biggest benefits. And so I think there is a, a very clear cost difference, but you have to think about things in totality versus just the individual piece. So, Will, if people want to migrate existing data from their on-prem system into the cloud, how are they going about that? Do we have services for that, or is that something that's just a file-based thing with our cloud sync? Yeah, so um, we, we, we offer cloud sync uh, clearly as an option today for customers, and it's a very powerful tool, offers lots of uh, options in terms of uh, flexibility of, of disparate data sets of how to get data from uh, a variety of sources on-prem, another cloud, another service in the same cloud. That works great, and we have customers using that today. We have other customers using just the traditional tools like Robocopy or Rsync for no other reason than uh, they're more comfortable with those tools. And there's, that's just fine too. So it really depends on what the customer is looking to do, their expectations, their level of comfort, et cetera. Uh, we have other partners in this space. Data Dynamics is helping us out too. Um, we're you know long-term looking to, to add in features for, uh, for, for you know, NetApp customers on-prem today uh, to be able to replicate into the service that's uh, you know, further down the road, but certainly we're, we're, we're investigating and looking to, to offer as a feature at, one, at some point in time. But uh, most customers today are using a combination of uh, CloudSync, RSync, uh, Robocopy to get the data into the service. So, Lee, uh, where does Azure NetApp Files fit as compared to some of the other cloud offerings we have at NetApp? And, you know, where do we position this if we're trying to sell it as a field? So I, I think it comes back to the earlier clarification that the fact that this is an Azure service and not a NetApp service makes it very different. Um, we don't sell it. Nobody really sells it per se. A customer really goes and consumes it as they wish and how they want to. Well, we have our on-prem and we have... Our, our native things with cloud volumes on tap, those are very different, very IaaS based. You create on tap inside of an Azure VM with managed disconnected to it. It's effectively recreating a NetApp array in Azure. You still have to deal with all the, the patching and the installation of the OS and the licensing and the VM and all those things. Whereas when you decide you want to go Azure native, you simply migrate your application of choice onto a VM connected to Azure NetApp files and go. I think the question we get a lot is, well, how does Azure NetApp Files compare to the other Azure storage services? So less about NetApp and more about now I'm in the cloud. You've got this thing, which overlaps, and we talked about earlier with Azure File. Azure File is a great product. It's been around for many, many years. It's SMB. Um, there's lack of AD with it. There's some sometimes limited capacity in storage accounts for Azure File. Now, to Azure's credit, they recognize that, and they've added Azure Premium Files, Azure Ultra Files, all these other you know, enhancements to that. Let's just keep in mind, they're all still built, frankly, on top of Blob. 
And Blob is an object storage. It's a massive data lake concept where they build services on top of it. And customers can do that on-prem. You can build an object-based underlying architecture and build services on top of it. But we as storage people know that customers don't predominantly do that for enterprise files or enterprise applications. They, they can't get the performance they want out of it. So while they're very appropriate for Azure File in some of the Windows workloads, it also doesn't have NFS. So if you've got Linux, Azure File across any of the performance tiers is basically a non-starter. I mean, I think that's where we still come back to where Azure File is a great solution for the smaller and for Windows-based workloads. As you start to move into wanting data management features, the familiarity of a storage array and the performance of that, and of course the scale, that's where Azure NetApp Files fits in as kind of a bigger brother. Um, and keep in mind, there's other things. There's Blob, right? A massive object store. You would not use object store for SAP, HPC, Oracles. You use that for unstructured data and backups, archives, and that's great for that. That's where Azure NetApp Files is not great is you know, backups and archives. We use it for primary storage data. Uh, there's managed disk, right? Here's a, effectively a virtual disk drive connected to a VM. Certainly works for a lot of people. You can put a whole bunch of virtual disk drives on a virtual manager or machine. Um, I would kind of call that virtual DAS. And we haven't done DAS for a very, very long time in the enterprise either. We use storage arrays. And so while those things have been around a long time and they've they've served their purpose, I think what we're seeing is is Azure's beginning to find mainstream by partnering with third parties like us to do bare metal and realize that customers really want that performance and familiarity of a storage array. And so just simply inserting that into the data center makes it so you've got Azure File and Azure Managed Disk and Azure Blob, and now you've got the enterprise SMB NFS offering in Azure Net Files, really rounding out from soup to nuts their storage offerings. Will, did you want to add anything? The biggest value prop I've seen again from customers is the fact that they're just looking to get out of the business of having to manage all these different storage options inside of the cloud. And, and the, the ISPs with, with managed this, that's a big one. That's a recurring theme I hear from customers time and again. And even with that, the fact that beams are, are, they are getting larger and the drives are getting bigger, that's just one more thing they have to manage and maintain. Uh, and even with that, ANF still provides, um, you know, much faster performance, larger capacity, scale, more features, uh, which again is driving more and more of those customers uh, that are in Azure today from other services over to the over to ANF, and also opening up the, the the swim lanes for customers that are on you know in the enterprise today on in the data center that have maybe tried to make a move to the cloud in the past and maybe didn't work out. They just couldn't get the performance or the features that they needed at that time, this is giving them the ability to pick up those workloads from the data center and put them into Azure and, and be successful with that migration. Let me add a little color to that too on the other side, if I may. I think it's always valuable to understand that this is a very complementary storage service in Azure. Given that this is an Azure first party service, so is Azure Storage or Azure File, Azure Blob, Manage Disk. These are first party services customers can choose. You're not locked into one or the other. We don't really have a dog in the fight. Yes, we do have a wonderful partnership and we see the benefit for our customers because we're storage people, the benefit of ANF. But customers can choose whichever works well for them. We're not competing with something. This isn't better than something else. It's awesome. It's phenomenal. And the cloud is waking up to seeing this. Some of their competitors with AWS and GCP have noticed this offering. That's pretty cool. But it doesn't solve everything. And if a customer wants Azure File versus Azure NetApp File, create shares in both, mount them both, and do a test. I think it's a lot easier for customers to be able to experience a difference and see for themselves too. 
All right, Will, Lee, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, if, we, again, we wanted to reach you, Lee, how do we do that? Yeah, probably email is best, lee.giles, J-I-L-E-S, at netapp.com. And Will? Yep, email is the same for me. Uh, in terms of uh, best point of contact, my email address is wstow at netapp.com. That's W-S-T-O-W-E at netapp.com. All right. Thanks so much. All right. That music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netup.com or send us a tweet at netup. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher or via techontappodcast.com. If you'd like to share today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Lee Giles and Will Stowe for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.